On today's episode of Double Down Trent, we look back at week number 12, including the Thanksgiving Day games, in which we saw Matt Patricia finally take the axe and get fired. Can the Lions bounce back here in a good get-right game against Matt Nagy and the Bears? Stay tuned to see what we have to say. And then we're also discussing perhaps the biggest bad beat in gambling history, courtesy of Doug Peterson and the Philadelphia Eagles. Just to recap, they were down two touchdowns with about 30 seconds left to go in the game, score a touchdown, and decide to go for two, and they convert it. Instead of the Eagles now being down seven, they're down six, and if you're holding a ticket for six and a half on the Seahawks side, you must have wanted to go to Philly personally and kill Doug Peterson. Well, we discussed that with our Philly Patriots insider, Bill Hughes. We've also got our insider, Coulter, on, so stay tuned for episode number 89 of Double Down Trent. Double Down Trent, you might want to tune in. Talking gambling and sports, predicting who might win. Pop culture to movies, let's start up the combo. Ryan and Aaron, man versus the motto. Keep it authentic and it's always live. So competitive, so you know it's always hype. Make sure you subscribe, trust you don't want to miss. Going all in here on Double Down Trent. Hey, yeah, Double Down Trent, let's go. This is Double Down Trent. All right, welcome to Double Down Trent, the podcast where two elementary school buddies are talking sports, gambling, and pop culture. My name is Ryan, your co-host as always. Joining us tonight, the model, Aaron. How are you, bud? Uh, Happy December to you and to everyone, my friends. Welcome. Yes, yes. And uh, I hate saying this every week that uh, my picks were a bloodbath and it's time to move on, (laughs) but... But I've got a couple of spin zones, a couple of little ditties here. I've gone four and one in my last big cash bets, so I'm feeling good about that. Uh, so some bits of hope, at least on my side here. Also joining us, our NFL insider, Coulter. How you doing, bud? I'm doing good. Uh, finally took home a little cash money this past week. So week 12 was my favorite week of the, the uh, year so far. Um you know, some easy games, obviously, with the Saints playing a fifth-string quarterback and the Steelers taking advantage earlier uh, of the depleted Ravens team. So, I mean, those there are some easy ones this week, some, for sure. Some gimmies, for sure, but a win in our pool is a win, and that's cash in hand. That's always nice. And we are also joined by our Philly resident and Patriots beat expert, Bill Hughes. How you doing, Bill? What's going on, guys? How are you? It's good to see you. Happy uh, December as well. Uh, hope everybody had a nice Thanksgiving. Pats are hanging on uh, to hope we're still in the in the hunt uh, list uh, for the playoffs. So, I mean, it's a classic Belichick game this past week, so I'm excited to talk about it. Hey, anytime you are listed on that graphic as in the hunt, you feel good about it. And it was a wild week, okay? Thanksgiving gave us some good games, but week 12 was wild. I don't even know where we should start. There's a lot to cover. I guess let's start with the Thanksgiving games. And ultimately, the end of Matt Patricia Coulter. We've been talking bad coaches for tons and tons of episodes here. We've had a couple of guys fired, and now Patricia joins the unemployment list. We kind of called it last week too that it, you know after the, that short week, and then now I've got a long week. This would happen. What do you make of that? I mean, it's obviously the right decision, but what's what's your thoughts on the firing of Patricia? Over and over again, this guy underachieved in Detroit. He was given a, a Pro Bowl, perennial Pro Bowl quarterback, and he could never get it going. Uh, this team was a mess. It, it, 
I feel like ever since day one, there was a cultural clash where he wanted it to be the Patriots 2.0 and they were never that organization. Um, you know, he was trying to meld it into something that they just simply were not. And it was just an epic failure. We saw it last year, week one against the Cardinals, they travel in a home run spot against a new coach, new quarterback, and they tie the game. He played that game to a tie. We, I remember recording a pod right after it. It was one of the silliest games, uh, that's been played over the last four or five years in the NFL. Uh, and that was like a little small, you know, metaphor for what the time period that his tenure was in Detroit. Uh, and then I don't know if you guys saw when he got fired that there was rumors that he had a burner account, which is just so <laughs> on point uh, for, for Matt Patricia. I mean, the, everything that could go wrong, it felt like did, he, you know, he had the one beat Belichick in Detroit on Sunday night uh, football. That was his highlight. And I feel like all the Belichick disciples get that one moment in the sun and then they kind of recede uh, into the distance. So uh, pretty normal storyline. If you're a Pat- Patriots fan, I'm sure Hughes is seen this one play out several times. Yeah. Hughes, uh, what's next? Are you expecting some kind of Josh McDaniels return to the Belichickian sidelines? So, uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I think their, their D coordinator situation obviously right now is Belichick's son, um, along with Gerard Mayo. So, I mean, I think like in terms of, do they have an established defensive coordinator? That's like a solidified guy. No. Uh, does that, I, I don't know if Patricia comes back. Um, I do think that he'll be part of the organization for to some degree, and maybe he tries to get a job somewhere else. Um, but I do think, you know, the beat goes on with some of these Belichick guys. I, I just am often surprised by what I would consider Bill Belichick's number one skill is fitting a game plan and fitting it a, 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 the way that they're going to play to the players that he has, to the skill sets that they have. Then all these guys leave and they just try and like accumulate these like kind of cast off Patriot parts and put them together with other guys when ultimately he got to a Lions team that was pretty good. He didn't need to do all this and like bring in all these guys and pay guys that were clearly shouldn't have been paid that came from the Pats. It happens with every guy. They And again, we'll see. I think it's so far it's worked out in Miami, but we'll see if it does long term. But again, I just it's a weird it's a weird model that they go with and yeah got rid of the general manager too was a former uh, belichick guy as well so i think clean house we'll see uh if stafford what happens there but yeah it's uh yeah the beat goes on for the belichick coaching tree it is not good it's kind of crazy when you think about it and uh i i just you know i didn't think jim caldwell was all that great of a coach i mean he comes off very robotic and doesn't seem like he talks much but like you said hughes they had a pretty good team there so very interesting yeah. to see where they go from there uh, but Mr. Model, what did I tell you about Matt Patricia and the pencil on the Thanksgiving game? I was half expecting you to come into the podcast with the pencil in the back of your ear just to celebrate. You know, I should. I don't have pencils anymore, but I got a pencil. I'll do it in uh, RIP tribute of, uh, of Patricia. But as soon as I saw it, I'm sitting there and I'm like, God, can I please get some cash down? My book is uh, unfortunately restricted by geolocations, and I was not in my uh, my my town, so I couldn't get any money down. But I called it. You had to bet against them, and sure enough, they fucking lost. So uh, it was a bloodbath for them, and goodbye, Patricia. Now, I think we keep it rolling here with the bad coaching because it's been a staple of what we do here on Double Down Trent, and that's our next target Anthony Lynn Coulter, you've been all over this guy. We've been hammering him that he is just a terrible in-game coach. What the hell was he doing at the end of that game? 
I would love to pull up the podcast we did. It was like last November or December where we did top 10 worst coaches. We expanded it from five to 10. And I want to see how many of those guys are still employed <laughs> in the national football league. I think Anthony Lynn might be the last remaining guy, him and Adam Gase, uh, his game management, you know, people have ridiculed Gase. And I, I do think that he is the worst coach in the league. He's even worse than the three that have been fired. But uh, I actually think Lynn is the worst head coach in the NFL, uh, in game, uh, scenario wise, this guy simply just does not get it. I mean, what, what? I can't believe he's a head coach with some of the decisions that he's making on the field. It really is uh, baffling as bad as the jets are with their record. You know, Anthony Lynn and his meltdowns, whether it's uh, end of game, he's one of the worst coaches, if not the worst end of game coach ever. But even during the game, on the little things. He's just doing everything incorrectly. I, I can't believe that Belichick is the spread is as little as it is this week. Cause it feels like to me, the biggest coaching mismatch of the year. I mean the biggest and, and Hughes we're big Madden guys. How is there not a single guy on a coaching staff that's played Madden that has any kind of awareness about time and score? Like someone's got to be in Anthony Lynn's ear being like, dude, we're down two scores. This is what we're supposed to be doing right now. It, I, I was, I was blown away. I mean, the, the QB sneak when the entire offensive line was in a pass pass, bro, your star quarterbacks getting killed. Like, it's just like, it's a recipe for disaster. And yeah, I mean, it's, it is, it's mind boggling when these coaches screw up these very basic clock management, um, you know, type things. And I don't know if we're going to talk about the Monday night game, uh, going for two there at the end. I know is the supposed play, like some of this stuff, like doesn't make any sense. Like I, I don't totally get it. Um, but at the same time, Anthony Lynn, like, is like, yeah, it's like, he's just, he's winging it or just waiting for something to happen. And then he looks so confused when it goes wrong. <laughs> he's just like, you're like, he's like, he gets this bewildered look on his face on the sideline. And ultimately they need to make a decision before they get this quarterback killed. And he's really good. And the defense is playing better. The line is funky. I, I don't know if that's like a, like a COVID line or if that's like the Pats have played down to some of their competition when they've played lesser teams. I, I can't totally figure out that line either. Um, and t- I wrote it down as a stay away for this week. Cause like, I mean, I just have no feel for why it's one point. Like I, it just doesn't feel right. Yeah. That I landed in the exact same thing. He used yep. six calls to Nikki two, right off the bat. Too good, to, too yeah. good to be true. It's still my favorite play of the week, but I, I just, I can't give it out on the pod. Cause I just think there's something too wrong with it. Yeah. And we're definitely going to talk about the Monday night bad beat use. This is double down trend. Okay. We're a gambling pod. And if you had a ticket at what was it? Six and a half for, uh, the Eagles or excuse me, the Seahawks. And then the Eagles go for two there. I mean, again, Hughes, you, you want to walk us through this because I, I get the logic and this is kind of that new school thinking of you got to go for two at some point for the win, I guess, to be aggressive. So talk us through it. I honestly was going to actually ask you guys and ask to whether the model might have some insight into this being the the smartest one of all of us as to what actually the math problem is that goes into when to go for two and not, I will say after in the moment being like, what is he doing to reading some people on Twitter? The idea, yeah, is that you're giving yourself a chance to win and you still would have a chance to get the tie with a two point conversion. They had already missed an extra point. Doug Peterson plays that way. I think there were a lot of factors with them going for two, but yes, talk about maybe the biggest gambling crusher in the world is a absolutely meaningless two point conversion um, to get you on the hook. Like it just, it, and cause it's, it, it's the football number. Like you're at six and a half. You're like, I'm fine. 
Right. But then all of a sudden you're Doug Peterson, you're on the other sideline and you don't know what he's going to do. He goes for it in weird places. I didn't know why they didn't kick a field goal earlier in the game and they decided to go for it on fourth down. I mm-hmm. thought that was a weird call. I'm telling you, there's rumors around Philly that Doug Peterson is fine with getting fired. Um, <laughs> again, I don't know. This team is in cap disarray. There's a lot of problems. I, I don't know what's going to end up happening, but yeah, I, I don't get it. I still, to this day, like I, I, and I don't know everybody else was in the same boat. And you know, if you had, uh, if you had Eagles plus six and a half, I got to figure it's the best beat that's ever happened to you. Yeah. You gotta be loving that. Now, Mr. Model, maybe you can walk us through the numbers here because I think I saw somewhere that the percentage right now in the NFL of converting on a two point conversion is close to 50%. It's like 49, something, something in that range. Right. So I guess the logic there is if you want to play aggressive, if you convert the two point, the two point conversion, you're now down six. And now you've got a chance if you score a touchdown and the extra point wins you the game, right? Yeah, and I don't have the numbers up in front of me, but on their little cards, my understanding from historical numbers is that historically two-point conversions have actually been better than 50%. And we're not talking much better. I think it's been like something like 55 or 56, 57% that you'll typically, typically convert. So the whole idea is that you know, even though you're down two scores, you, the odds of winning you down when you're down two scores are, you know, obviously very minuscule. But then if you end up going for two to even give yourself a chance to win, um, it is just going to be the way you need to go instead of just playing for the tie and then playing for overtime, which, you know, again, you're l- more likely to lose than to win. Mm-hmm. So that's the whole idea by by going for two up front when you're down and down two touchdowns and score that first one. Yeah, I like it in theory, um, but where I disagree with this particular scenario, there was like 30 seconds left on the clock. Like they're not converting the extra or the onside kick going down the field and then doing it again in 30 seconds. If you got like two minutes to go, maybe, but 30 seconds, that seems like Doug Peterson being like, hey, fuck you gamblers. Like I'm going after this number, not to accuse him of, uh, you know, number chasing, but that sure is what seems to me is uh, is what happened here. Um so the Eagles suck, but what that also means, the Giants, they got to win. Now, I don't want to get into the cover situation because we were all talking on Sunday. I had them as a pick. I can't believe they couldn't keep the Bengals out of the end zone for a cover at the end of that game. It just pissed me off. But somehow we're in first place. Hughes, I think you were saying you hate this Giants team because they're not helping us with any kind of spreads, right? Yeah, uh, and, and I will say this. like I And I – I've got a little bit of a take on Danny Dimes. I'm upset with the fact that he took himself out of the game with what I would consider a pain threshold injury, especially if he plays this week. I've got a lot of giant fans who are in my ear saying, Oh, come on. He played great in the first half. Give him a break. Like this team's in the hunt. Like they have a a chance and your franchise quarterback pretty much tapped out. And I I don't want to be the guy who says that he's not hurt. Cause again, a hammy's a hammy, but anybody who's played football, played any sport, if you pull your hammy, it's debilitating. But Philip Rivers played with a torn ACL. I mean, like, <laughs> if this is your franchise guy and you need – again, maybe Colt McCoy is a better option and maybe Danny Dimes' legs are the thing that makes him who he is. I just was baffled. I was baffled. And then them not covering was just the icing on the cake. Um, it is a team, though, that fights. I mean, I'll give you this. That defense plays really hard. Uh, Joe Judge has clearly gotten to those guys. and But, like, I just did – the Danny Dimes thing, and I've been high on, on, uh, on Danny. I just – uh, that that we I was upset I was upset Kaz and I probably because I lost money on it. yeah me too but it was brutal Coulter what did you make of that game wasn't his first throw after the injury though like it just looked clearly that he couldn't yeah. put any sort of weight yeah. on I, I agree with you that uh, in the logic of 
uh, you want your franchise got to be more like uh, along the lines of Phil Rivers. That definitely is what we all want um, in those situations. But I, to me, it seemed like he wasn't going to complete another pass. Um, I could have been reading that situation wrong in game, but that's it. To me, it looked like he was going to be totally limp as a quarterback. So I think it, in real time, they made the right call going to Cole McCoy because at least he gives you a fighting shot if your quarterback can't actually throw the football or plant his foot. Um, going into Seattle, I like Giants this week because I actually think Jones and Judge are going to pull a fast one on all of us, and I think he suits up. I think Ooh. he's. I think Hughes hit the nail on the head. This is a team in contention. This is a team that's serious. This is a team that plays hard defense. Uh, you know what? I like their mentality, and I would not be surprised to see them go all in with Jones this week. You know what? Let him rest. I mean, we don't know what a Sunday it's going to feel like. A week could be enough time to heal that thing up, right? That's true. And, you know, he doesn't need necessarily the practice time. I mean, he's clearly the starter. You know, no, the system. no, so, not at all. Yeah, let him sit and see what happens on Sunday. I will say one thing to add to that. Having a capable backup helps. So, like, I mean, it makes the decision a little easier when you're going to a guy like Colt McCoy, who's taken snaps in the NFL and actually could give you a chance to manage a second half and win a game, which is exactly what happened against a bad team. So, I mean, like, I don't I don't fault the Giants for making the decision. If I'm dimes, though, I'm just like, I'm not coming out of this game. Like, this is my team. Like, we are fighting, and we're clearly getting better every week. He hasn't, what, he hasn't had a turnover in three weeks. Yeah. Is that, I think? That's like, correct. I mean, and, again, a couple of my other Giant buddies are like, I'm telling you, they're going to win in Seattle. They're going to beat Seattle. So yeah, I, I could see it happening. I could see that definitely uh, all of a sudden dimes uh, is under center snap one. And you know, maybe, maybe this I'm, is a Cinderella story. We all needed in 2020 Kaz. I don't know. I don't know. I'm in such a tough spot in the video. We can see, I got my giants gear on. I always sport it, even though we've been terrible, but my head is in a pretzel here with these giants because <laughs> we obviously can win this division, but then you're, what does that you're mean? You're Godfather three right now. Exactly. Just when I think I'm out, they pull me back in. Just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. I don't know what to do here. So, Mr. Model, we've got the odds up here. So, run us through here. Odds to win the NFC East. Yeah, I think these are pretty fascinating. So, NFC East, Giants are currently the favorite which is absolutely shocking to me at plus 175 that translates to right around I think 7 I think it was something like 37%. That's pretty good. And it's just I'm kicking myself here when before the season started I said on this podcast, "Hey, maybe you take a flyer with the Giants to win the division at plus 1600." Yeah. I think there's been... I think there's something to be said take every division uh team that they give you the odds on that, especially if the divisions like the NFC East, yeah. um, going forward, I'm really going to lean into that more because I think these division odds are skewed and I, I'd be interested to see how many of the favorites even end up winning their division. I mean, I know for a fact that bills in the, the past were pretty much a split. Uh, the Colts were a little bit of a slighter favorite over the Titans. I don't know if they're going to win that division. Ravens obviously self-explanatory. They won't win theirs. NFC East. We know what's happening there. Uh, you know, I think Bucks and who was the favorite with Bucks and Saints? Because I feel like the Bucks might have had a little edge on the Saints too, and that's going to fall apart. And the Niners were the favorite in the West. So I mean, a lot yeah. of those favorites don't cash in. I think there's a lot of good value on those preseason and division odds for sure. I gotta listen to the Kevin Malone from the Office. If anybody gives you ten thousand to one, you take it. If someone gives you ten thousand to one on anything. You take it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's something to be said. I know it's. I know that's probably not what a professional gambler would recommend, but I actually do think there is good value there. Yeah. All right, Mr. Model. Who else we got? What are their odds? The, 
Washington football team currently in second at plus 225, which translates to right around 31%. And then in third, we have those E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles at plus 315, which translates to 24%. So those are the top three. Obviously, those Dallas Cowboys are still lurking, um, but I, uh, I think they are the outsiders looking in right now. All right, Hughes, you're in Philly. Who's your pick to win the NFC East? Uh, so I have written down the Washington football team only because I think that they, I, again, I'm torn. I, if, if it all comes down to whether dimes plays, yep. like if he plays and gets hurt and he's out for the season or like something like that, like, no, I mean, I don't think, I don't think the giants, which is why the value to me is a little dicey with him kind of on the ropes. Now, I don't, I think that what we've talked about, I don't think he's that hurt. I think he'll end up playing. Um, but that being said, that's why I thought the, I still don't even like the odds on the football. I, I didn't really like any of them. I, to be t- totally honest with you, I look, I, it just doesn't seem like the values there. Like now, granted, it's pretty much a coin toss with a couple of these, but I don't know. I guess if I, if I had to pick one, I'd take the Washington football team. All right. Colter, who From you got? Odds perspective. You don't like the odds, uh, Will, because, because the division sucks. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. <laughs> you can't, you can't get a good feel for your pet. That's why you hate the odds. Uh, I, I, I like football team. I wouldn't uh, touch it with a 10 foot pole though. I think uh, he's is absolutely right on that. Uh, the odds are not good enough. I have a little uh, pizza bet that I made preseason on Rivera to win coach of the year. So I'm, I'm waiting to see what happens with that. Actually, it's more than a pizza bet. It would pay off pretty nicely. So okay. I'm going to ride that one and hope that uh, Alex Smith and Rivera kind of keep doing their thing in Washington. Fair enough. Mr. Model, what do you got? Yeah, I, uh, I initially coming into the podcast, I liked the Washington football team as well, but I'm looking at both of their um, schedules moving forward from this point forward. And it seems to me like Washington has a harder schedule. So Washington is looking at in their final five games, Pittsburgh, San Francisco, Seattle, Carolina, and Philly. I could see them going easily one and four, maybe two and three. Yep. Out of those five, I think the best case scenario out of anything is three and two, which would be shocking to me. Most likely two and three or one and four. Whereas uh, the Giants have Seattle, Arizona, Cleveland, Baltimore, and Dallas. That just feels like the easier schedule to me, even though I think Washington football team is, in my opinion, the better team right now. Again, I, I agree with the sentiment earlier. I'm not touching this at all, but uh, I like the Giants' possibility, and given that they're tied with Washington football team right now with the division both four and four and seven, um, yeah, that's where I'm falling. I think public perception is important too. The with the Giants not covering last week, I feel like more people are out on them right now than we're giving them credit for. If they cover that Bengals game, I feel like all four of us are saying, "Oh, the Giants are the best team in the NFC East." So let's not let the perception of last week taint us. I get the injury for dimes isn't great, but. I do kind of agree with what the model is saying is that this is a team of giants. If they cover, you know, that 175 looks yeah. a lot more juicy if, if they blow out the Bengals. Yeah, and yeah, I would agree. I this, well the Raven that Ravens game is gonna be interesting because that's a yep. wounded dog right now. But um but yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I a, a tough slate for the skins down the stretch for sure. And the craziest oh, part I mean, is that football team. 
if we're being optimistic and giving either the football team and the Giants three wins, you know, down the road here, don't do it. Don't. Do it. They finish at seven yeah. and nine. Even if they're five, even if we're being super generous with three, you're probably looking at a six and ten team winning this division, which is bananas. <laughs> I would bet on that outcome, six and ten for yeah. sure. And again, that's I think you, you sat. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say that's why the Eagles are sneaky with that tie. I, I don't know. Like, I just feel like that could factor in here, right? They've got that. Who, who's that even against? Is that against? I don't even remember what game that was early in the season. Oh, it was against the Bengals. They tied the Bengals. I think. Yeah. But yeah, that tie, maybe that tie comes into play. I don't know why I should, I should have checked the Eagles stretch games down the stretch, even though they seem like they're totally toast. Dead um, water. You're right. With six and 10, that tie has got to come into play somewhere. You sound like six Mike Greenberg 10. right now. That's like the Mike Greenberg uh, thing. He's been hammering home that the tie is going to be the difference for, for Philly here. I'm not buying it. I don't think so. I, I just think Philly's just done. I mean, I, I, we all watched that game. Carson Wentz looks lost. Hughes, you said it. Bill or, uh, Peterson's playing to get fired. Uh, you just can't put any confidence in them. So I think it's going to come down to the health of, of Dan Dimes. That's going to be it. Is Danny healthy or is he going to have a, a hamstring? We got Colt McCoy for the rest of the season. Uh, I like the Giants. I'm not going to bet it, but. I, I like the Giants. It just, it, I'm so torn as a fan because you don't want to root against your team. And I never thought my wildest dreams that we'd be in the playoffs this year. So I guess having a playoff game after years of Shermer and McAdoo and the bullshit and the just horrid football I've had to watch for the last five years, I guess it would be fun. But, you know, we're going to be picking around like 19 if we win the division. And in a rebuild, that's so, not great. So I, 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 Pose this to somebody else. Uh, I'm interested in what you guys think. I think Doug Peterson's the next Pat Shermer. I think like he's a he's a good coordinator, a nice guy. He will stay in the league, but I just think he just like the he fell into that Super Bowl. Like yeah, I, that wasn't like it was like the perfect storm. The team was really really well positioned. They had a lot of vets. I just feel like we're headed towards. Pat Shermer 2.0 with Doug Peterson. That's just my. I, he's just gonna bounce around. I, I, I will say this ring, though. So. I, I would hedge kind of going off our previous dialogue about how bad the coaches are. Doug Peterson to me screams like he's a leftover till 2021. Like we're going to be recording this week one of next year saying like, this is the guy we want to fade. Like kind of like Patricia and O'Brien were heading into this year. Um, And if that's the case, that means he might win a few games down the stretch here. I mean, if they lose out, then obviously he's going to get fired. But I feel like if the Eagles do win a few games and compete for this division, they're going to hold on to Doug Peterson for at least another year, which is good news for us because that means gambling against opportunities. Profit. Yeah, I agree. I think it was probably probably grabbing one, too. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was a fluky Super Bowl myself. If your boy Bill just put in uh, Malcolm and, uh, you know, was able to shut them down, maybe we're not even having this conversation. But I've got the Eagles schedule here. So they got. Packers, Saints, Cardinals, that's a tough stretch. And then Cowboys football team to end it. So they could sneak out a couple of wins in there. That's a football team that they lost to week one. Yeah. Yep. I don't know. It's going to be wild. The writing was on the wall with this Eagles team. I mean, talk about a week one game where we should have overreacted. I mean, if you had just taken that result and been like, I'm fading Philly from now on, they lost to Dwayne Haskins in a football game. This is inexcusable. I'm fading them on the money line every week you probably have turned a pretty significant profit by now. You would think so. I, I just don't understand too. Just one more thing on that too. Like I thought it would be the defense that would let them down. It's been the quarterback. Like it's been weird to watch like and kind of and see it unfold because I thought again, especially in the Seattle game, I thought the defense played great and it was a defense that, you know, at times this year has looked really bad. So 
Uh, I am surprised by it, and I do think that Doug ultimately is going to – I saw he's talking about giving up play-calling responsibilities, but he's going to bear the brunt, and I think everybody's talking about how this – that Super Bowl too, as we've talked about, it might have been a Frank Reich uh, special, and that may be what we saw leave town uh, out of Philly and ultimately kind of the, the team with it. So, see. Man, that Carson Wentz contract looks brutal now, but – We'll see. It should be a wild end for the NFC East. Uh, okay, Mr. Model, let's recap the man versus model challenge and update the standings. Shout out Megan Casale, M. Casale, back in the lead, standalone uh, leader in the clubhouse right now. She's up to 34 points. She had a, a pretty good week. I believe she went three and two with her picks uh, last week in week 12. In second place, not too far behind, we have Hannibal. Uh, Cleveland Browns fan with 33 points. And then in third place, we have the man, Ryan, still there, not gaining ground, not losing ground, 32 points, just hovering, just lurking like like that you're uh, so good at doing. Yeah, you know, I actually had a conversation with Megan this weekend. We were, we were together for Thanksgiving, and she was asking me some questions. I said, Megan, you do not want my bad juju involved in your picks at all. So I'm not even going to just say anything. But I was trying to figure this out and apparently I can just make a select few picks because I'm doing well in this standings. I'm doing well with my cash bets. I'm doing well in this little side league with my buddies. But when it comes to our pool and I have to pick every single game, I feel like I'm Tommy boy sitting in the booth telling Helen, the waitress that I suck. That's nice. You look like a Helen. Helen, we're both in sales. Let me tell you why I suck as a salesman. It's just terrible when it comes to the, the full league pick. So I don't know what's going on here, but I'm very glad that I'm still in the running in the man versus model challenge. That's all I can say. You're close. You're in third and you're hovering. So we'll uh, see how this lands in the last couple of weeks. All right. We have five games queued up for week 13. I had to reach a little bit for some of these games. They're not all stellar, but uh, they are what they are. First one, maybe one of the best games this weekend. The Tennessee Titans are home against the Cleveland Browns. The Tennessee Titans are favored by five and a half. That's going to be in Nashville, Tennessee. The second game, I just couldn't not include it. Seattle Seahawks are home against those New York football giants. Uh, we'll see where that one lands. Talked a lot about that already. Uh, Seattle, you know, I'm rooting for them. Got got them in a, winning the division. They are favored by nine and a half is where they locked in. Uh, with our uh, pool currently third game i had to reach hughes this one's for you the new england patriots are traveling cross country to the los angeles football chargers new england it locked in as a half point favorite in uh the football pool right now so the that'll be an interesting one fourth game houston texans may be playing the best football they've played all year in the last couple weeks they are a three and a half point underdog to the indianapolis colts who are visiting and then the last game, we go to the uh, NFC West. Arizona Cardinals are playing the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams are favored as the visitor by two and a half. Those are the five games we have this week. Some good games. And uh, to the listeners, go ahead and go to doubledowntrent.com and click on the man versus model challenge. Don't be intimidated if you're just joining us in the week. You know, I mean, obviously, we got the season long standings here, but jump in, play along. You want to win a week? We'll give you a shout out here. You're not going to win any money from us. But sometimes pride in your picks is worth more. So we got a good challenge going down the stretch. Let's go ahead. Let's go to week 13 and let's make our picks. Coulter, since you won the pool last week, you've got some cash in hand. You're hot, man. You make the first pick for week 13. 
Yeah, let's make the first pick and sound like an idiot coming off a win. But my first key pick is going to be uh, the Matt Patricia list Lions. That's right. I'm daring you all to take Matt Nagy in a crossfire. Go right ahead. <laughs> Lions plus three and a half. We've seen this a few times this year with the Falcons and the Texans. Teams play better after the coach is fired. Why are they trying to play for the new coach? No, they're trying to play for their jobs. The Detroit Lions know that this is going to be a new regime. They have to play their best game of the year. This is a revenge spot, too. This is exactly where their season went off the rails in week one, a game they should have won, had a drop pass in the end zone by their running back, and it's a division rival. I get all the motivational factors checked off here. I have a dead locker room in Chicago. Quite frankly, I think the Bears are dead. I think this is a team I'm going to fade every week until the end of the season until they prove me wrong. They came out listless against the Packers on Sunday night, another divisional game. I don't see anything I like here. You see Nagy's calling out the defense after the game. This is a unit that's kept him employed for the last three seasons, and he's going after them. Are you effing out of your mind, Matt Nagy? I don't like the quarterback switcheroos that they've been doing. I don't like the lack of talent they have on the outside. Quite frankly, and I love this factor the most, one of the most watched games last week was Houston getting the shit kicked out of them on national TV. I'm going to use all that momentum, and I'm going to take them this week. Uh, I think people think this is a bad team. I think they're a lot better than that shellacking they showed on uh, – Thanksgiving day where they played a really good quarterback into Sean Watson. Who's playing, uh, you know, as Aaron mentioned, this is a hot team. Houston Watson's playing as good at football as any quarterback in the league other than Patrick Mahomes. And I think that he shredded them alive. I Mitch Trubisky is not going to do that. I think there's a great spot for them. I'm going to take the lions three and a half. I know it's not a popular pick, but I'm, I'm feeling confident with myself right now. Just playing par golf with your picks here, trying to avoid those crossfires. <laughs> That's exactly. I put I put that one down there. I was like, you know what? If anyone crossfires, they're taking Maggie, and I'll 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 crossfire with them. Fuck it, I don't care. Now, before I uh, turn this over to everyone else to get their thoughts here, I would like to jump in here because I am completely on board with you, Coulter, and this is actually my first pick. And I'm going to go back to the well here. I'm doing my Tony Kornheiser, and I'm putting on my little glasses here because I wrote this down, Coulter. I have the same thoughts as you. Okay, what do we see? Bill O'Brien and the Texans fired. Okay, they started off 0-4. What happens? They not only win their next game after they uh, fire the coach, they won it 30-14. They've gone on to win four out of the next seven. So, awesome. The Falcons, they fire Dan Quinn. They go 0-5, just getting the doors blown off. They fire him. What happens next? 40-23 to win, 4-2 and after that. So, I really like that, and I'm with you. They're going to be playing for their job, not necessarily for the new coach here. I think the Lions are going to be inspired here. We saw a lifeless Bears team just get waxed by the Packers. Uh, oh, and by the way, the Bears, 0-3 uh, against the spread in their last three. I'm on board with you with the Lions. Hughes, what do you got? Yeah, I'm, I'm same. I've got Lions plus three, Lions money line, Lions first half, first quarter, whatever you want to do. The Bears are dead. And if they're not, I mean, again, the pride does seem to rise up in the NFL. But what Matt Nagy was saying, I completely agree with Colter. Like, that was blasphemous. The fact that he went after the defense the way that he did when the entire team stinks and it's entirely his responsibility and he's singling out the defense and granted, they did not look like they wanted to be out there <laughs> and they definitely <clears throat> excuse me, looked like they were making business decisions. But at the same time, like he's done. He's a lame duck coach. He's getting fired. If he doesn't, then I mean, God, I don't know what the bears are doing, but I, I like this pick. I think that the lions bounce back. I think that they're, I think they're a better team than they've played at times, but they've been in a lot of games. The Thanksgiving day game was just the perfect end to Matt Patricia's run. Uh, they just, just didn't look like they cared. Um, but I do think they come out and play better this week. And I like the lions every way you can possibly think about. Mr. Model. 
Uh, no disagreement here. I am also too on Detroit, and there's nothing that you can do to make me take Nagy and Trubisky uh, this week. I will not be watching this game, by the way, because this one just makes me throw up in my mouth. Oh, that's hideous. And uh, a suggestion: if there's any uh, people inside the Detroit Lions franchise listening to this podcast, if you win, I want you to all take a box of Dixon Ticonderogas and just snap them in half in the locker room afterwards. <laughs> Number twos, number two. Snap those number twos and a half. Uh, okay, Mr. Model, who's your first pick? Yeah, you know, I'm going to go, um, I guess I'm just going to go with the, the, the team that has been tried and true for me, and, and I felt good, felt good about them. I am going to go Kansas City home minus 13 and a half against the Denver Broncos. Um I really like that it's under two touchdowns. I really like how uh, Kansas City has been playing recently. They've been clicking. The game when Kansas City traveled to Denver earlier this year was not close whatsoever. Um, Denver has been playing better on defense, but given that uh, this has been kind of a funky week for them, they've been dealing with some COVID, obviously with their quarterback being out. Uh, Drew Locke will be back for this game. But I think given that he's been on the sideline for uh, over a week, I expect to see a little bit of rust. Um, Drew Locke and rust, you know, isn't isn't good, let alone when he's uh, at his at his finest so far. Um, so I'll take Kansas City in the spot. It certainly wouldn't be my key pick, but I'll take them as my initial one. Picking against your own team. I hate doing it, but sometimes you just got to. Coulter, this is your team, too. What do you think? What do you mean by your team? Because I'm like the model. The Chiefs are my gambling mojo. They're <laughs> keeping me alive in this pool, but the Broncos are my actual team. But yeah, I love the Chiefs. They're a great, they're a great team to bet with and uh, continue to make profits with them most weeks. I, I took the Bucks and got lucky with that little backdoor hook last week, but usually I'm, I'm with the Chiefs. I'm with the Chiefs again this week. Honestly, it's not in my top five picks of the week. Uh, my one concern is Chiefs motivation. This is a team that really seems to be able to turn it on and off. I've seen it again and again and again this year, as good as they are, and they really are just tremendous. This is a team that can fall asleep a little bit, look a little lackadaisical. Uh, and this Denver team has actually played Mahomes really close. I know the numbers don't bear it out in the box score, but if you actually look at it, his stats against us are not tremendous. Um, so I do worry there. I think Van has been really good against opposing quarterbacks and game planning. I think we're going to see a little bit more of that. I'm still going to take the chiefs. I just don't feel totally comfortable with this. A little extra coming out of the mile high. I don't know if uh, Mr. Model caught this news from one Oh four, three, the fan today, but the Broncos ownership, uh, debacle, which I've voiced in here on the podcast, uh, several times, the uh, daughter of Pat Bowen said they're going to be selling the franchise. So I think Whoa. there is some insight there. Um, as I've said to the listeners, uh, if you bet Broncos unders with this ownership, they don't have an owner. I think it's a good bet every single year fading the Broncos until they have an owner and in general, in all of sports, all pro sports, NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL fade the teams that have bad ownerships or ownership transitions. Those teams will never, ever, 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 ever win a championship under those circumstances. The Broncos are continuing to be a middling franchise until they figure this out. The Chiefs are a model franchise right now, so I can't look anywhere else. I'm going to take the Chiefs in the 13 and a half. All right, Hughes, what do you got? So I've got a couple takes here, guys, and I'm going to dedicate one of them to uh, 
Uh, I happen to be drinking a uh, double IPA right now, uh, Lord Hobo Boom Sauce. Uh, it's out of Massachusetts. It's a great beer if you get, get your hands on it. But it got me really kind of thinking about this Drew Locke situation with his mom coming out against the NFL and against the team this week. And I think the mojo around this team is just all wrong. I think <clears throat> I think it could be interesting to see what the 13 and a half is just huge. So I, I'm going to stay away from it. I've got it as a stay away game for myself just because I think that it does make sense that the Chiefs would just bury them. But like this, the, the one knock on this guy is leadership and maturity. And he's got his mom going on social media, taking a run at the NFL and taking a run at the situation with COVID saying after her son honestly had admitted and done what I thought was the right thing, put his hand up, my bad, I should have been better. And then now his mom's going viral with Schefter retweeting her about the NFL being the one that's at fault throughout this whole situation. I think the Broncos are in a tough spot. I think the only solution is getting a Peyton Manning led ownership uh, pitch, get him back in the mix, get this thing back on the right track. He wants to be an owner. You know, he wants to be an owner, get him in the mix. Let's get this thing moving. The Broncos should be a pinnacle franchise. It's too bad that they're not. And I don't think drew locks a franchise quarterback personally. And I do think the fact that his mom went after it is going to be, how does that play in a locker room? You got a bunch of grownups. Like we're not in college. Like even in college, I feel like if guys like, I mean, we played at a small school. If guys, parents were complaining to the coaches, like, could you imagine? Like, yeah, you just be laughing these guys out of the locker room. And this is your starting franchise quarterback. And that thing went viral. I mean, I don't know how many people saw it, but it just wasn't a good uh, look. I think this I would kick I would kick back on you a little bit there, Hughes. I mean, athletes' wives and girlfriends make remarks all the time that I feel like go viral, and you know that's just part of the sport. I mean, I know it's a little bit worse when it's your mom, but I mean the same dynamic in the locker room exists if it's your girlfriend spilling the beans on social media, uh, which I, I think these guys, I think they all I, kind of they all, all deal with it to some level. I think. I don't disagree, but I think you have to have Mahomes, Brady level talent to be able to weather some of that stuff in the locker room. And yes, I mean, Brady took a ton of stuff for Giselle chirping about he can't catch the ball for himself. Like there's been like there are guys that have had much higher standing where people again. And, and honestly, I would be better if his girlfriend had stood up for him than his mom. And again, I maybe that's a misperception on my part and a little bit like old world. I don't know. But like it just rang like really weird to me. And it just wasn't didn't wasn't the right look like it's like, hey, mom, I get it that you still want to stand up for me, but let's not make this a bigger deal. Like we're trying to get past this. We're trying to get to next week. And now all of a sudden it just looks like it's still there. I don't know. I think she's barren. I really yeah, agree. Right. Yeah, go ahead, the more they look at the Saints game, the, the worse they're going to play this week. You're absolutely right. So I, I agree with burying that game and not even talking about it. Is, if, I mean, if I'm running the show there, if I'm Banjo, you, you don't discuss the Saints game. That's just something that. You're better off not talking about not not even not even looking at yeah. you know because it's such well, a unique experience for everybody involved. Yeah, and I think the model talked about the the one game we just mentioned being a stinker this week. That game, man, I watched like five minutes of that game and thought that I had like football had been set back a couple of years. It was a weird game. It really was eye opening because everyone was shitting on Taysom Hill, being like Taysom Hill can't throw. It's going to be a weird experiment. And then you saw what happened with the Broncos. I mean, it really makes you appreciate how hard it is to play quarterback in the NFL. Uh, Mr. Model, for the record, though, I am not going to disagree with you here. I'm on Kansas City as well. I'm only concerned about a letdown, and all of a sudden they turn it on at the end to you know drive down the field, win that game, but not cover. So that's my only concern there. Uh, I definitely would do this as a stay away, but I like them in this pick here. So, Hughes, who's your first pick? So... 
Uh, by, by the way, just to bury one other point, LeBron even got buried for his mom standing up for him. Remember that back That's in the That's true. Like, I'm telling you, this is a no-no. I, anyways, we'll see how it works out. <laughs> I hope it works out for the Broncos. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll get off that point now. All right, my first pick. So, all right, guys, last week I've been I've, I've been having some gambling woes. So I, I decided to, like, all right, I'm going to invest my money in some parlays. My first parlay was Bills, Titans, Dolphins, and the team that I'm going to go with right now, the Las Vegas Raiders. And though the Raiders buried me last week and stuck a knife in my back on a four-teamer, that would have been a nice payday. I'm going to go back to that. They're playing the Jets. They're minus eight. I think they bounce back. Obviously, they look terrible. So it's possible that they're not good. I don't know. I struggled with the fact that Carr was actually a premier quarterback for part of this season a couple weeks ago. But I'm going to go back with the Raiders minus eight. I think the Jets are totally dead. I actually think Adam Gase is the worst coach that's ever coached. And I can't believe he still has a job when other people have been fired and people need to get going on this coaching search. But I think they're trying to lose. Honestly, I think they are tanking for Trevor Lawrence. I think that that's abundantly clear. Um, and I like Vegas minus eight. That's my that's my first pick. All right. Coulter, what do you think? I'm going with the Jets. I'm not going cross, to <laughs> crossfire. They're <laughs> such a dumpster fire. This Raiders team seems so undisciplined to me, and I know that they beat the Chiefs, and that's going to be their kind of the crown in their or the jewel in their crown, so to speak, for the whole season. And people are going to talk themselves into, you know, oh, we got the team that beat the Chiefs playing the Jets. This is a no brainer. Um, clearly there's something wrong with this team, right? Uh, they just lost 43 to six on the road into Atlanta. Uh, and I don't even know if it was a travel spot thing. I just think they're sloppy. I think they're also really injured. They've had a lot of COVID stuff. I mean, they're on, they're down to some of their backups in the secondary. Uh, and then Josh Jacobs might not play too, which makes it hard for them to do what they want to do. Um, it's a very slight lean to the jets. The jets are my 13th most confident pick right now. So, I mean, that game I could end up switching out of the Raiders, but I do like, the Jets, I think there's going to be too much uh, public money on the Raiders, and I think the hook is enough value. And I I also think, like, the Jets are still motivated to get that first win. I know it seems far-fetched because they've been so bad for so long, but I don't think a team wants to be 0-16. And that plays in your favor when you're working with a huge spread like this. And you're at home, too. Uh, I think they beat the Raiders, too, last year. I have, like, a they, distinct they memory killed them of just beating yeah, Derek Carr doesn't travel to New York. I mean, I could see that storyline coming out of the game. The jets get their first win. If they're going to get a win, I feel like this is it, right? I mean, this actually is it. I, I know we did this a couple weeks ago when they played the chargers, but this might be the last time they can actually get a win on their schedule. They play the Browns, Rams, Seahawks. And then of course they finish with Hughes's Patriots, which I guess was their closest game this year, but I don't see Belichick losing that game. So this really is uh, their circle, the wagons game. So I'm going to take the jets and the points. Definitely not a crossfire though. Cause Gase is so terrible. Mr. Model, are you going to crossfire with Gase? No, I'm on Las Vegas in this game. I just can't uh, get myself up to get on the Jets bandwagon here. I think they're going to continue to lose and go for that first pick. Uh, yeah, I think Vegas, this is a nice bounce back for them. Yeah, I've been trying to like pick the Jets as a cover somewhere. Like I'm thinking like eventually they've got to get some backdoor covers here. But man, I think they've only covered one game this entire season. So uh, I, I'm not going to do that either. I just can't do gays. It, it sounds so messed up. Did anyone hear his press conference about play calling? And then he's having the offensive coordinator do some, but he's doing some to confuse teams. Like what's going on? He's the worst coach that's ever wa- head coach. <laughs> I, I'm just saying he's the worst head coach that's ever coached in the NFL. In my opinion, I don't think there's, I, I, I could, I could be on the wrong way. side of this. I, 
I feel bad because uh, I'm, I'm an anti-bad coach guy. and I'm taking the worst coach ever. So the more I'm thinking about this, it's like, what am I doing here? I do think, too, like this line tells me that Vegas thinks that Vegas is going to roll. Now, I don't know if that's like a oxymoron, but like th- if this line were like six, I'd be like, OK, like I'm a little nervous that the Jets may show up and actually play this game. Eight on the road after getting absolutely crushed just doesn't seem right. Like, it, like th- there are a couple lines this week. Like the New Orleans Atlanta over underline 46. I was like, I looked at that. I was like, Atlanta scored 40 points last week by themselves. Yeah. There's it, some it wonky line. Like, the other thing, too, he's weird stuff out there. This was one of them. I, li- I really like Vegas in this bounce back. Play. The other thing about this line, too, is last week against uh, what, in my opinion, a better Dolphins team than this Raiders team, the spread was six and a half. So, and, and the Jets got blown out. So I think it's just wonky, in my opinion, but uh, we'll, we'll see. Now, something's weird. I'm going to uh, say, Hughes, thanks for the uh, the transition there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave us off here with the key pick because I'm glad you just mentioned it. My key pick happens to be that Saints-Falcons game. I'm taking the Saints, okay? That is my key pick. They have absolutely owned the Falcons. The Falcons win last week, in my opinion, was an anomaly. Well, they have two defensive touchdowns, a bunch of turnovers. I mean, they just dominated that game. That game was over you know, by halftime. Uh, the Taysom Hill Project... I kind of like what I'm seeing right now. And I never thought I would say that. Uh, I know you can't put too much stock in the game last week against the Broncos, but the offense put up 31. Uh, I, I just like what I'm seeing here. They're, they're a team that has consistently over the last like four or five seasons has just like Ryan Casale. They break late. They're making a run towards the end of the season. Uh, I want to point out too, they did this last year with Teddy Bridgewater. And I know he's got a history of covering, but they went five and zero last year with the backup I don't see why this is any different. They played them a couple weeks ago. They won 24 to nine. And guess what? The Saints happen to be four and zero against the spread in their last four. Give me the Saints. What do you think, Coulter? I got a disagreement on this one. I, I think this, I think the Saints. Crossfire. The Saints are. I'll do a crossfire with you. <laughs> All right. Might, might as well have a little bit of action. I think your, your point is absolutely correct. This is the same team that plays really, really, really well in October and November. In fact, they're like a statistical anomaly. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but they're at like 65% a clip over the last five years in those two months. The calendar has changed. Mm-hmm. Just letting you all know that. Yeah. And so this is a team that although they went, uh, I think they went four and one down the stretch last year uh, with a loss to San Francisco at home in that weird wild shootout game. So they definitely played well in December too. Um, but there's something about, I feel like they're just due for a loss and I don't think it's going to come at Philly. It might come at the chiefs a week later, but I just feel like this team can't keep rattling off win after win. I have an extreme uh, coaching and or, uh, quarterback advantage. I feel like with Matt Ryan and Taysom Hill, I know it didn't bear out the first game, but I don't know. I just feel like I like the passer here. And here, here's another huge thing. We just saw the Saints bully a team that didn't have a quarterback. I'd love to see. I know that they they did just stop Ryan two weeks ago, but I would love to see this defense again playing a professional quarterback. I mean, it looks easy when you're playing Kendall Hinton, you know, uh, and intercepting every other pass that he throws. I don't know. I, I I just like this spot. I think the Falcons are fully motivated. Um, they're they. You said it best. They've been beaten up by this team too. This is a, a one of the most lopsided divisional uh, kind of rivalries there are in football. I, I think they get back on track. I'm going to fade Sean Payton here, which is probably not the right thing to do because he's a genius coach. Um, but I, the other thing too is, aren't the Falcons at home in this game? They are dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess. I was going to say that game is more closer to like maybe plus two in my mind, but 
the more I think about it, the Saints do have a lot of talent edges. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to take the quarterback at home and the hook. I feel like they keep it close. Koo has been terrific, by the way, their kicker. So I feel like that's definitely advantageous for me uh, in this spot as well. All right. Fair enough. Hughes, what do you got? Uh, I'm, I'm totally, uh, I've been wrong on Atlanta so much. I, I don't know what to do. It's kind of like, <clears throat> you know, one of those situations where I think that they're a good enough team to win. They're also a bad enough team to get blown out. So it's like one of those like really odd, like coin toss things, which is why that 46 number makes no sense, right? We just went over the fact that they scored 30 plus last week and Atlanta scored 40 plus. And so combined, that would be over 70 and the numbers at 46, like something's weird about this line. I don't know if they think that there's going to be a really conservative type approach to this game or that these teams know each other well enough where you know, a guy like Hill might not have as much success. I, I, I can't figure that piece of it out, but I'm leaning towards new Orleans just because I think they're ultimately have more to play for. And the obviously with one buy this year, there's like more on the line for some of these teams that like need to get the one seed. So I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to lean with new Orleans, but I don't, I don't like it one way or the other necessarily. And ultimately I'll probably end up taking the under, even though um, that makes me feel <laughs> ill because the number just makes no sense. Fair enough. Okay. Mr. Like model 14 to 12. <laughs> I'd love to get in on this uh, crossfire and be with Coulter okay. on this one. I, wow. I like Atlanta plus three and a half here. Um, yeah, I agree. So I think the sentiment with New Orleans, I could see them just losing a game here. You know, they've lost one, uh, one, uh, two games so far this year. Um, this to me seems like an, uh, a one that's going to be an under. And because uh, of how the Atlanta offense has been playing recently, you know, in the last, I think, six games, they've put up 40, 22, 25, 34, 9, and 43. Now, granted, that nine was against the New Orleans Saints. I just think it's going to be a different team. I think they're clicking on offense. I think they cover that three and a half and possibly even win outright. When I collect your $20, I'm going to remind you that you picked Raheem Morris over Sean Payton. <laughs> but this is this is the thing here. This is an important note, and I, I got this wrong with Patricia against the Panthers the other week, and so maybe I'll just go 0-2 and, and, and I will never make this my theory again. But Raheem Morris is coaching for his job. And I'm sorry if I'm Arthur Blank, I'm not giving him a job if he's going to lose to Taysom Hill twice. End of discussion. You're not up for the job at the end of the year. You've lost to Taysom Hill twice. Goodbye. You're a defensive coach. You've got to be better than that. You're playing left-handed with a quarterback. This guy, Taysom Hill, ain't much better than Tim Tebow. I'm just going to say it on the podcast loud and clear. He ain't much better than Tim Tebow. He's not that good of a passer at all. A defensive coach like Raheem Morris should be able to scheme him out, especially on a second chance. He's got enough game tape on him now. He's played eight quarters at quarterback. I think they have enough tape. I think they figure it out. I love this for Raheem Morris. I mean, this guy wants to be the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons next year and get that interim tag off. This is a home run spot for him. Beat Taysom Hill. You can't do it. You don't have a job. End of discussion. Man, I, I kind of feel better now. They're playing for the number one seed. They got the, the Packers and the Seahawks just right behind them. They want to be home with a bye. But, I want to uh, go out and get some, I want to go out and get some dirt and rub it on my face and give the Tim Tebow speech because <laughs> wait a second, Tim Tebow's a way better quarterback than Taysom Hill. I mean, and I'm I agree. Say, I, I I'm agree. Not trying to say he's not. I, I will say I I don't know passer to passer. I agree with you. I don't think Taysom Hill's great. I do think 
that the Saints just have fundamentally more to play for. And I think this Atlanta defense, I think I was looking, uh, it was, it's one of the worst defenses in the world. Like, they're just bad. They can't tackle. They got a ton of guys hurt. I mean, they've made bad draft choices. Um, like, uh, that's where I think I would take a better team against a bad defense. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm, I don't know. But are they I'm, a I'm bad defense right now? Yeah. I mean, no, you're right. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I just, but at, no, the Tebow thing was, was great. I, I do agree with you. I, I do think Taysom Hill is a better runner than Tebow. And I do think that they just need to run the ball more with Taysom Hill and they need to get over the, like, it's almost like they should do what, what the Broncos were kind of doing is like run some type of glorified, just run everybody at, at the line of scrimmage. But we'll see what happens. The under, I'm telling you, I, I agree. I think the under is the play. They scored nine points. What was the score of the first game? That was a good, that was a good 24, nine, 24, nine, 24, nine. All right, so 33 points. Yeah, that's, 30, yeah. what, 13 points under the current number? Yeah, I mean, shoot. Maybe this does turn into a rock fight, and it's just like whoever can score two touchdowns wins. I could see that happening. It's going to be interesting, but, wow. I was not expecting this pushback, but it's got some juice I now, so I like it. it. <laughs> I like the pushback, though. Coulter, let's get your key pick. Yeah, this is another divisional game. I'm going to take the Rams on the road, minus two and a half. I think this is a gigantic coaching disadvantage. Uh, we were kind of, uh, previewed this a little bit with Doug Peterson. Here's a guy next year that I'm going to be looking to angle against, and I'm going to be fading him if they make the playoffs cliff Kingsbury. This guy does not know what he's doing. Of course, he'll be brought back for a third year next year. I'm going to fade him hard and heavy him and Vance Joseph. I don't think they know what they're doing. What have you seen the, the end of game strategy that they had as a defense against the Patriots? I mean, you do not lose that game with the, the time and circumstances and the team that the new England has. You just simply do not let them march down the field like they did. It was atrocious. I think Kingsbury is a terrible situational coach. He's up there with Anthony Lynn in game stuff. He's doing everything incorrectly. And most importantly, you got Kyler Murray going against what I think is a top two defense in football. They're going to solve him quickly. He's got injury issues. They don't have Larry Fitzgerald. They're going to lock down Hopkins with Ramsey. What else does he have if he doesn't have Hopkins? Not much. We saw it last week against the Pats. I think this is deja vu all over again. All the Rams really have to do is win this game by a field goal. I think they have a better offense than New England. New England was able to win by a field goal. This is a shorter travel spot for the Rams, too, so I'm not really worried about that. And I also kind of like this idea that uh, Kyle Shanahan kicks McVay's ass and McVay just goes right around and kicks uh, Kingsbury's ass. And then Kingsbury has actually done a pretty good job against Shanahan. So I kind of like this weird little uh, triangle of kicking each other's asses that they've got in the division. It definitely seems like they each have each other's numbers in a way and it all kind of evens out. Um, so I'm going to take the Rams. I like this is an all in team. You, you just mentioned that the Saints being all in. If there's a team that wants to win this season, it's the Rams. They've spent a lot of money on this roster. They're going to be zoned in. I love this spot for them. I think they're going to have a great December. I like Rams minus two and a half. Okay. Mr. Mott, what do you think? Yep. No disagreement here. I'm all in. I like the Rams in this spot. I think they continue to push Seattle for the division. Uh, I think this is where we start being able to fade Arizona. Um, I am all in a full agreement with Coulter. All right. Hughes? Uh, so I'm going full, full emotion. Um, and I think I'm, I'm crossfire. I'll go with both if you want. It's up to you guys, but I think they bounce back. I, I am so down on Jared Goff. Like I, and maybe it was the Niners. Like I'm, I don't want to take it. The Niners played great. They absolutely locked him up in certain situations. I actually do want to, the Niners bills game this week's going to be awesome. Um, but we'll, we can get to that later. Um, but I, I'm going to, 
I think the I think the Cardinals bounce back. I think Cliff Kingsbury is learning, though he is making some of the worst decisions that you could ever make. And I think they lost a game they should have won. And I think this is this is it. Their season. I mean, we're talking hungry dog. You know, like has to run fast if they want their season. I mean, they're in. Are they the, they're the last seed right now. I think. I think they're, they're seven. Yeah, I think they'd be seven right now in the NFC. I think they're six and five, right? And like I, they need to win this game. Now, I'd say the Rams don't too, but I, I do think like with how this thing is shaking out, I like the Ravens. I mean, yeah, Ravens. I like the Cardinals here, and I'm gonna yeah, I'm I'm, I'm up for it. Love it. Um, I'm not ballsy enough to do that. I'm down on golf with you. Something about golf just to me feels weird. I mean, he's not quite as bad as Wentz, but that draft class is certainly not looking like it was at one point. Um, my pick right now is, is the, is the Rams, but I, I don't love either side of this. This was a six calls to Nikki game. I'm not going to be ballsy enough with you, Hughes and, and do the crossfire here, but I honestly could see this one going either way. Just to throw this out there, last year after Thanksgiving, these two teams played in the desert, same exact spot, same exact week, 34-7 Rams. They've won their last six games against the Cardinals. This is a team that has the other team's number. Could change this weekend. I just faded the same exact principle with the Falcons, so who knows. Um, <laughs> but this is a Rams team, yeah. undoubtedly, that, that gets Arizona. They've kicked the living crap out of them recently. I can't wait to watch the Ramsey-Hopkins battle. That's going to be incredible. I will say too, I've been off on the Rams pretty much every week as I was on them heavy against San Fran and they got rolled. So here we are. All right. Good, good pick. Another crossfire. All right, Mr. Model, who's your key pick? All right. For my key pick, I am going to Tennessee and I am taking Tennessee minus five and a half over those Cleveland Browns. Uh, The Tennessee Titans have been playing really good football uh, recently and I expect them to continue that. And the Cleveland Browns, while they are still eight and three, their offense has felt like it's been pretty anemic. Obviously, they have a great rush, um, but I'm thinking that that's going to be something that the Tennessee Titans will at least be able to slow down. Uh, Tennessee Titans have put up a bunch of points recently, 45 against the Colts last game, 30 before that, 17, 24, 20, 24, 42, 42. Um, again, I think their offense is going to be clicking uh, with Brown and others. So I like them in the spot. Five and a half is a, a decent amount to cover, especially against another eight and three team. But I think they do it and get it done. So Sticking go, with t- the hot, go Titans. Hot team there. All right, Colter, what do you think? I like that pick a lot. I, you got full agreement from me. I really don't have much else to truly add. Um, you summed up my thoughts pretty much entirely. They're just rolling right now. Hughes, you ready to pick against them? Or are you going with the Titans? Titans cash machine. But I will say it's a stay away given the line for me. Like, I don't know that there's something that's been weird about the Browns. I do think, you know, we talked about an outside chance of coach of the year. I think last week, right. You've got Colter, you've got the fans. He, is that right? I, I do. Yeah. I've got, I've got a little pizza bet on him and then I've got a little bit more of a bet on, on Rivera. So I'm pretty happy with both of those right now. They seem like I, they're kind of in the top five. Yeah. And, and I do think, you know, other than maybe, you know, um, Tomlin locking it up today with the circumstances that were surrounded today's game and them getting the win. Um, I don't know, but like, I do think the Browns have a, they've got a mojo. I don't think they're great, but at the same time, like, I think the line here tells you that it's going to be a close game. It's going to be hard fought. And I, 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 this was a tough one for me. I Tennessee has has been one of the best. Like the fact that they, the dog situation last week was hilarious. I mean, they were plus three last week, and like I just think that they know and they play better in that spot. This spot, maybe they don't. Maybe maybe they come out and they're a little complacent, and Cleveland kind of you know keeps it close. Uh, I, so I 
I would lean Tennessee for sure, but I could see Cleveland covering. It's unanimous. Uh, I'm on the Titans as well. Cleveland, they, they definitely have a really strong rush attack, um, but obviously the Titans have Derrick Henry. So I think this is going to be a ground paddle. Uh, I don't see much from uh, the, the passing battles here, but I, I just, you know, you're telling me Baker Mayfield, you want me to put my confidence in him right now? I just don't love what I'm seeing out of him. They're obviously relying on on uh, Chubb and Kareem Hunt to carry their team. So um, I like Tennessee. I will say, cashing. I will say this much, though, and I guess we'll see. This is the real truth about, you know, what kind of a coach Stefanski is because, you know, we just saw this on the Thursday night game against the Colts. You could say a lot of the same things you just saw, you said about Baker, about Phil Rivers going into that game. Uh, you know, if Stefanski's a good enough offensive coach, maybe he puts Baker in a position where, you know, he could win this game by just game managing and doing little check down plays. Um, I don't see it. I like Tennessee. I mean, you guys know I'm a Titans guy. I've been pushing them pretty much since week one. Um, but there is that element that uh, Stefanski could have Rabel's number in terms of the offense defense matchup. We saw Reich get the better of him. And quite frankly, that team just doesn't play well at home. They're a great team on the road. I don't know what it is about them. They're much better on the road. And as Hughes hit on, they're better as a dog, too. Yeah, they've had weird battles at home, too, because obviously they've been just hit with all kinds of crazy home weather. Like they had two weeks in a row with wind, one with rain. So it's tough to tell what exactly you're getting out of that Browns offense. But all right, Mr. Model, you got a unanimous pick there. Well done. I don't know if that's a good omen or a bad omen. Uh, I don't know either. I'll keep my fingers crossed. (laughs) All right, Hughes, give us your key pick. I'm going Dolphins. Um, I've been on this. Uh, I think I, you know, again, maybe I'm trying to make up for the fact that the Giants didn't cover against Cincinnati last week, but I do think, um, I think the Dolphins cover this game. I think they win big. I think the line says that this is a total mismatch. And I think that they've got every reason for this to be, you know, a game that they go out. And again, they've got a shot at the division. I think like we talked, like I mentioned earlier, Buffalo has got a tough game against the Niners. Um, and Miami could see themselves right in the, you know, in, in, in a position to, to take the East. And I think that that will motivate them to really put the pedal to the metal early in this game. I like their defense to get a score. I think we've talked about that with a couple other teams. Um, so I'm liking Miami. I think I've got, I saw it today was minus 11 and a half. Yep. You're not on the Brandon Allen cover train. <laughs> I can't. I no, because it's the same thing with Burrow, and so therefore I don't think it has anything. To do, it's, no one takes them seriously and plays the level of their competition. And all of a sudden, I will say, shout out to Joe Burrow. I mean, I, I, I that still to this to, to right now has got me. I just feel bad. Like I, I really, really got to like Joe last year at LSU, and like it's just sad that he doesn't have a chance to finish out the, the a rookie season where he was playing really well. A tough guy. Uh, and just stood in there against, I think one of the, again, another one of the bad coaches that we've talked about from time to time. Um, and he just, he, he took every lump and it just stinks that he's no longer playing and that we're probably going to, he's probably going to miss all of next year. Seriously. One of the all time bad coaches that we've had on this podcast, Colter, you've been there. What do you got in this game? Uh, Brian Flores versus Zach Taylor. I think, you know, which side I'm on. I don't <laughs> love Miami to gain margin here. That's probably why I stayed away from it. I'll be honest though. When I did this, uh, when I went through the pool picks the first time around, Miami was my key pick before I saw the number, but I don't like it at double digit. It's still one of my five favorites of the week. I think Miami is a lot better. I think their defense is going to get after Brandon Allen. And I think, uh, that game that cover last week, I know I was joking around with you guys on the text chain, uh, you know, the Brandon hour, Brandon Allen cover story. I think that special teams TD they got overinflated the line and, and, or misjudged the final score. And I, I think the Bengals are just a terrible, terrible team. They're going to get the, 
crap kicked out of them here. And clearly Miami can cover. That's the thing why I landed on Miami with a big number is they did cover this big number against the jets last week. And the Bengals are maybe just a shade above the jets. Not maybe. much better. Yeah. And so therefore if they cover the jets thing by, they won by 17 there. Why can't they do that here? I, I I'm going to go with the dolphins full agreement. Do we know is Tua starting or is it going to be Fitzpatrick to a practice today? He had something on his thumb. They have not announced whether it'll be Fitzpatrick or Tua. Okay. Mr. Model, who you got here? All right. There's no chance I'm going to crossfire this, but I'm currently sitting on Cincinnati plus 11 and a half. Oh, I think it's a good contrarian play. I should say that. I think a lot of the people in the pool are going to take dolphins. You saw it last week, 29 out of 31 people picked uh, giants against Bengals. Yeah. Yeah, I just think it's a ton of points. And yeah. yeah, Yeah. And if you're telling me Miami is going to be, you know, this maybe the second best team in the AFC East, you know, maybe hovering with third best team, you know, right there with new England kind of challenging. I just think 11 and a half points is a lot of points to be giving up to one of the worst teams in the NFL. I think I could see them playing good enough to keep this close. So yeah, currently I'm sitting on it. I, I'm not interested in at all in, in getting on them and actually backing it, but uh, I'm currently sticking with Cincinnati. Yeah. It's just tough too, because the giants game was so fluky. In my opinion, they had the first kickoff that goes to Cincinnati. They return it for a touchdown giants turn over, give a short field to the Bengals. They kick it uh, an easy field goal. There's 10 free points. Uh, and I think what they get the entire game, like 17, I think so. Yeah. yeah I, I just, I can't pick against, the dolphins in the spot right now. I just have no faith in the, the Bengals offense being able to do anything. So I really like the dolphins here, but uh, I, I, I don't know. It, it is a lot of points, but we just saw Miami do this to the jets. You said it Coulter. So I'm, I feel pretty good with 11 and a half and Mr. Model, you know, you just threw out uh, the chiefs at 13 and a half. That's a bigger number, my friend. I just want to point <laughs> that out to you. <laughs> uh, indeed. Indeed it is. <laughs> Um, all right. I threw out a few six calls to Nikki games. Is there any wonky games for you here? Uh, Hughes, we'll start with you. I mean, I've kind of mentioned a few of them already, but, uh, but no, I mean, I think the, the one game and I'll use this to talk about it. Cause I think to me, the line of Buffalo minus one, uh, was telling, I think this is, this is shaping up to be one of those like old school fun, like type of matchups, assuming that the 49ers offense can, can make some hay. And I think they can. Um, I think, again, Kyle Shanahan is one of the best coaches in the NFL by far. I think he comes up with a game plan that'll be that'll be good. I think the Bills are going to be able to move the ball. But at the same time, again, I think the Niners defense, Sal is a great coach. And so, like, we're talking about, like, what I think are two offensive and defensive premier coaches with a team that's scrappy and, you know, maybe maybe a better Kyle Shanahan team than than with Jimmy G. And maybe this is kind of like what he's looking for. I don't know. Um, But I think it's going to be a great game. I'm, I've gone back and forth. I'm on Buffalo just because I've been on Buffalo for a while. I do like their explosiveness and I like how Josh Allen's playing. Um, but I think that that's going to be the game where it's going to be like, could go either way. And ultimately um, I'm gonna, I, I landed on Buffalo minus one. This is my favorite game of the week. And I'm really glad it's on Monday night. We finally get a Monday night game. That's got some juice and some action here uh, in our pool. We're sitting on uh, the spread at two and a half as a Buffalo as a favorite. So just because of that, I'm, I'm on San Fran here. Um, I love what I'm seeing from Shanahan. I love what I'm seeing from that offense. They've got a bunch of guys that just seem like they're coming back from injury. We saw it with Debo uh, last week. He showed up and really played to his name. Uh, just, I like what I'm seeing from that offense and the bills seem 
they seem up and down to me. I know they're a good team and consistent and McDermott's been pretty good, but I just haven't seen like domination out of them that their record suggests. What do you think Coulter? Yeah, this one's in my bottom five in terms of the confidence. So it definitely, it crosses that threshold of six calls to Nikki. I like what Hughes pointed out about uh, McDermott going against Salah. I think that's a great matchup between offensive and defensive minds. I honestly can't tell you who's got the advantage here. I would lean towards Salah. Uh, I do. I don't love the fact that the Niners have been uprooted here. And I know that Shanahan's a great coach, but I feel like I have to dock them at least in the first week uh, of the situation because we really just don't know what it's going to be like for them. And then at the end of the day, if bills get up in this game, do I really trust Nick Mullins down a touchdown or 10 points? They kept that game close to the Rams. I think there was a familiar familiarity edge that as we've gone over with that uh, matchup that, you know, they kind of knew that they could keep it close and that gave them that confidence that as long as we're in this game in the fourth quarter, we can certainly win the game. They might not have that confidence if Buffalo is up 24, 10 at halftime. I mean, if the game is a definitive spread at some point, Mullins becomes ineffective uh, because of some of those things that are kind of in the Niners way, I'm going to go with a slight, slight, very slight lean to the Buffalo bills. I also think the bills at this point with the Niners health problems, they do have the better roster. I know the Niners have a lot of talent, but I do think Buffalo has them there. Okay. Mr. Model, what are you making of this game? It's funny. I, I immediately was all over Buffalo minus two and a half, which is what where it locked in, in our pool, but the, the lines have shifted in, in, uh, San Francisco's favor and they're currently down to Buffalo minus one. I just don't know what to make of that at all. I liked Buffalo at two and a half. I like them even more at one. Um, although that's contrarian to what people smarter than I think about this game. So I'm going to continue to lean Buffalo, but, uh, this is something that makes me think I may have to reevaluate. Yeah, it's it's certainly, in my opinion, like I said, the, the best game of the week. But, gentlemen, we got a Wednesday football game that we just watched. We're not getting a Thursday, but guess what? We got a full slate on Sunday, two games on Monday, and a Tuesday game? <laughs> I mean, come it's on. Control. Come on. The Tuesday, the Tuesday game definitely falls in my six, uh, six calls to Nikki slate. The Cowboys versus the Ravens. Uh, you have a coaching mismatch on one hand with the Harbaugh and McCarthy thing. I think McCarthy is atrocious, but I feel like, again, the Cowboys, like this team has to be desperate, right? I mean, and they're getting a ton of points uh, and the Ravens. I mean, who knows what their lineup is going to look like if they're still missing guys, not to mention they, they were missing guys before the COVID thing. As we went over last week, their offensive line is depleted. They're down two tight ends. I think already, uh, I don't really love their receivers. They're still limp. I don't really think they should be favored against anybody nine and a half even now as bad as Dallas and Mike McCarthy are, I mean, I got to give the Cowboys a little bit of edge, but I don't love that pick. What do you guys feel like on that one? I, I just, uh, I'm on the other side here. I think the Cowboys are dead. I think the, uh, the Ravens are still fighting. I know they lost pretty badly today, but that team is depleted. Um, if they get Lamar back, I mean, I, I can see a scenario where Lamar runs wild in this game. I, I just think that Dallas is done and Baltimore still has a, like a sliver of hope to make the playoffs here. So that's my take. What do you think Hughes? Uh, I am absolutely rattled by the Baltimore Ravens. I, I think they're terrible. I, I don't know why I think that the chief, I mean, like the chiefs are like, welcome, the, welcome the to the chiefs, dark side. Like, the chiefs could be, but you can watch the chiefs and be like, the chiefs could literally beat anybody. And like the, the only way they lose is if they kind of don't get, you watch the Ravens and it's like, they have to play like the perfect game to beat people. And I didn't think that last year. And I'll tell you, I, I like Lamar. I don't want to be like an anti Lamar guy, but like 
they put Trace McSorley in at the end of the game today, and like he actually had a pulse, and it was kind of like funny to watch. But like I honestly think that to your point, like I think Jim Harbaugh is a good enough coach. I think they've established a good enough roster that if they had the guys on the field even today, I think they would have had a better chance. Um, they had no running backs. They had nobody. They had 25 guys guys test positive in the last 10 dates. Like, I mean, it's just been a nightmare for them. And so I don't know. I'm kind of torn on this one too. This is such a weird game. I would probably lean Cowboys too. We take the points. I don't know that the Cowboys have shown any polls. I think Jerry Jones has made a fool of himself over the last week. I do want to give a shout out to Danucci. We talked about him. The <laughs> fact that Jerry Jones compared him to a practice squad quarterback. I mean, who ultimately doesn't even play quarterback is, is unfortunate because it shows how out of touch Jerry Jones is with the world and the world of football. Danucci won a national championship. I'm not saying he's the greatest quarterback in the world. I'm not even saying he's better than him. I'm just saying like as a prepared quarterback for a game on a Sunday, he's much in a much better place than what happened to the Broncos. And Jerry not Jones to mention they knew he was going to be the quarterback all week too. Dalton was knocked out of that previous game. Of the Jerry, Jerry Jones is, is a disgrace. He's the general manager of a team that just ultimately every. Everybody at ESPN wants to pick as the as the front runner because they've got fans in a bunch of different states because they were popular, um, you know, in the in the late nineties. Uh, it's it, I don't know. I'm I'm not sold on it, but at the same time, like uh, the Ravens too. Like I don't know. It's just such a weird game. Get them used. Love it. Anytime we want to spew some hate on the Cowboys, it's welcomed on this podcast. <laughs> this I mean, this is honestly one of the least attractive matchups of the year. Hughes hit the nail on the head. I hate Dallas and I hate the Ravens. They, they're probably in the, my bottom. Four. They're in my bottom quadrant yeah. of teams I dislike uh, for kind different like, reasons, but I, I really am out on both teams. Total side note, and I mentioned uh, James Madison, Danucci, Division One AA. I want to give a shout out to to the University of Richmond for beating Kentucky a couple days ago. Spider Pride, Kaz, and I obviously as alumnus, alumni, whatever. Um, my I parents just are say, too. Like, Spider Nation is alive. The team is good. We got shut down for COVID the day after. Kentucky played the next day. I don't know what's happening in college basketball, but at the same time, great win over Kentucky. Um, and I think the Spider basketball team is actually really good. So I, I'm excited to watch them, and I hope actually they get to play some more games this year because uh, it could be a lot of fun. What a perfect segue because, Mr. Model, you've got a big announcement, my friend. Uh, the model has been working in the lab uh, to prepare uh, for college basketball season, which is now – Thank God it's upon us. Uh, we're, we're officially a weekend. Um, I will be all prepped and ready to go to be betting some spreads and totals. Um, so I have a machine learning model that has data from 2009 to present. And we have about, uh, I don't know, I think it's probably about 70,000 games. Um, and I do a bunch of other stuff um, through some code and, we will be uh, sharing some picks on here and talking about how it's going, the good, the bad, the ugly. And I'm hoping for a, a decent season. It's Operation Don't Lose Money is what, is what <laughs> we're calling it this year. I like that. Yeah. If there's any listeners out there that have not gambled on college basketball, please join us. It is exhilarating. It is unlike any other gambling that I've done in my life. It's just so fascinating you could get incredible matchups one night, huge opportunities to make some money one night, and then anything can happen. I mean, they call it madness for a reason, in my opinion. Not, and every every kid that's ever shot a free throw to cover a spread can't shoot free throws, so it's like the most exhilarating last yep. 30 seconds of every experience. You got the one-and-one. One. I mean, come on. Can uh, we get a front end to give me a cover one time, <laughs> college basketball? Let's go. <laughs> Very exciting news from the model. So we're going to be keeping it rolling through college basketball season. 
God bless. Gentlemen, that is episode 89 in the books. We're creeping towards the big century mark there, everybody. So great work. We will see everybody next week on Double Down Trend. Baby, look at me. Look at me. Your money. You know what else? You're a big winner tonight. I want to leave. You're a big winner. I'm going to ask you a simple question. I want you to listen to me. Who's the big winner here tonight at the casino? Huh? Mikey, that's who. Mikey's the big winner. Mikey wins. Fucking All right, fine. I'm an asshole, but you know what? You're the big winner tonight, Mikey. You're the big winner in more ways than one.